If everyone could please settle down, NR92's The Feed is about to start. Good afternoon. I'm your host, Veld, with Josh for our final episode of The Feed this semester. Today, we'll preview the provincial election coming up in May. We'll take a look at how long weekends and the time change are affecting students, and we'll look ahead to the NHL playoffs. But first... The Ooks athletic season drew to a close last weekend, and while every program had a great season, two teams were going for gold. And our 92's Brandon Douglas has the story. With election now just a couple months away, the Unite Conservative Party led by Premier Daniel Smith as the incumbent and the New Democratic Party led by former Premier Rachel Notley compete for the majority of legislative seats. Both parties have been increasing efforts to make promises to the public. The UC recently criticized for its handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, emphasizes its commitment to creating jobs and supporting businesses. Premier Smith has also promised to prioritize healthcare if re-elected. Practicing political scientist and professor at the University of Alberta, Jared Wesley, talks about the advantages the UCP has going into this election. Any party that's in government has uh, access to a lot more resources than than their opposition, right? So this means that um, they have access to pre-election spending and advertising that opposition parties don't. By virtue of being in government, they have the ability to say, we'll continue to do more of the same and and can say so um, somewhat credibly. The NDP criticizes the UCP's economic policies, calling for attention to their own investment in healthcare, education, and social programs. Notley hopes to address the NDP's reputation as fiscally irresponsible by promising a balanced budget and providing a detailed economic report by former ATB chief economist Todd Hirsch. Professor of Political Science at the University of Calgary, Lisa Young, speaks on the NDP strategy thus far. I think we've seen a shift um, over the last couple of months away from being the opposition and criticizing, and now they're trying to move forward and present themselves as a credible alternative uh, to government. An Angus Reid poll conducted from March 6th to the 13th had the UCP and NDP close enough to be considered a statistical tie. Both the parties are spending enormous amounts of time in Calgary. Um, I think that the UCP is trying to appeal to Calgary as a a town where the oil industry is tremendously important. While polls can provide some insight into voters' preferences, Jared Wesley believes it's not the be-all and end-all when assessing the state of an election. You have to be paying attention to the regions like Calgary, but even at the riding level, and there are no reliable polls. So if there's any advice I give to to voters in this particular election is to, is to take those those qualified polls with with a grain of salt and, and to focus on the local candidates that are, that are in front of you on the ballot. Other parties participating are the Alberta Party, the Alberta Liberals, and the Wild Rose Independence Party. The outcome will depend on turnout strategies and current issues affecting Alberta. The current climate of ETS crime is making it more and more difficult to get to school. Davis Herman reports. For those of us who rely on Edmonton Transit to get to school, it can feel as though we face more risk than reward. In 2022, the number of calls to police about violent crimes on Edmonton Transit increased by nearly 53%. As more stories come out about assaults and shootings in and around stations, it can seem as though these numbers aren't dropping. 
Nate's student Joshua Stewart relies on taking transit nearly every day and feels as though it has not gotten better. I've never felt less safe on Edmonton Transit. I've been taking it for like 10 years and I feel like this is the worst I've ever seen it. Just in the sense of not feeling safe on it. As of late, many of the assaults reported on LRT stations have happened unprompted and to people who had no relation to the attacker. Last Wednesday, Edmonton police responded to a man who was struck twice with an object at Southgate Station. He said that at the time, he didn't provoke or offend the suspect in any way. Josh says that stories like this make him question if he should even take the LRT. Oh yeah, sometimes if it's super late at night, I've taken Ubers or cabs or even walked home a few blocks just because thought it was better than getting on the bus at like 11 at night. Last year, the city increased the number of peace officers and security guards to patrol LRT stations. Though this could be a relief to some, Josh says that this isn't the way to solve the issue. And I don't think the increased presence of police on the LRT has made anyone feel any safer. I don't feel safer when I see them, because now my brain goes, why are you here? What happened? What's going on? Which I guess is the exact opposite of what they want, but I also feel that the presence of police makes people who may be nervous of police for whatever reason more jumpy and more tense, and maybe more likely to lash out rather than to restrain themselves. As we continue through 2023, we can only hope that by the end of the year, the ride to school will be less daunting and more encouraging. Davis Herman, NR92 News. The NHL playoffs start on April 17th, and the city is beginning to feel the buzz with another potential deep run through the postseason. Colton Hoppy of NR92 reports. April 17th is when the playoffs start across the NHL and it is a sacred time for fans, young and old, as they get to live and die with the Oilers. Gavin Turanek of Oilers Nation gave some insight as to what a potential first round matchup could look like come game one. Yeah, um, for sure. The thing about the playoffs too, obviously to get to the end you have to beat the best anyway, so I'm not really looking at the standings, I'm not really doing that whole scoreboard watching thing that many Oilers fans are doing. The NHL trade deadline saw GM Ken Holland upgrade the team in multiple ways and Turanek praises a key addition made to the team which has elevated their play since. Obviously going to the NHL trade deadline there talks about Jacob Chicken coming here but obviously we went to Matisse home route which I preferred because people were forgetting about that home that he actually has played 75 career playoff games. Okay, so he's been down that route. He's been to a Stanley Cup final with the Natural Predators. So he brings in that experience and he brings in that experience to show Bouchard that he's been playing with how to get to the Stanley Cup finals and how to elevate his game. Goaltending has been a very sensitive subject this season, however, but Turanek has faith in a certain player which shows promise to step up to the pressure. Oh, like I, I think Sir Skinner is built for this moment too, right? He shows that voice in the net that not a lot of goaltenders do. Edmonton is unmatched in playoff atmosphere for multiple reasons, and Taranek thinks it'll be a deciding factor when it comes to crucial parts of high-pressure games. Because we actually had a Vander Kane in studio, and he was actually talking about his playoff experience here in Edmonton, and he just said it's on a whole new level, right? Because the fans can provide that little bit of extra juice, and just they... And Vander Kane also mentioned, too, you could hear the fans when they're in the dressing room. So that alone would get, I don't know, it would definitely get me pumped up. I can imagine actually playing and, and going on the ice and getting under that and just hearing that, feeding off that emotion, that excitement. So 100% I think it plays a huge, huge advantage, and that's why hopefully we get home, home ice advantage going to the playoffs. With the sky being the limit on how deep Edmonton can go with another playoff run, 
Time will tell if the team rises to the occasion or crumbles under the pressure. Colton Hoppy, NR92 News. The Ux Athletics season drew to a close last weekend, and while every program had a great season, two teams were going for gold. NR92's Brandon Douglas has the story. The men's and women's Ux hockey teams played in their respective ACAC championship series this season. While neither of them skated away with the gold medal, you don't have to look very far for positives from both programs. Aiden Ganim is the ACAC TV play-by-play -play announcer for both Ukes teams, and he says there were great performances all season long. From the women's Michaela Kibblewhite and Caitlin Slater to the men's Bryce Osipchuk and Colin Schmidt, but Ganim says one player stood out above the rest. Josh Lazowski, 30-something years old, uh, came in from an assistant coach role, he used to play in the Western Hockey League, came in, was a point per game. You know, he came in and, and he got them points. Both Ooks teams faced off with their counterparts from Red Deer Polytechnic in the finals. The women were considered favorites against the lower-seeded RDP Queens, so the loss stings after a terrific season for the Ooks. For the men, however, the RDP Kings were powerhouses all year, and Ganim says that the Ooks loss is disappointing, but not surprising. They weren't favorites in that matchup. Red Deer's just such a physical team. They put pucks on net, they got in fast, they got in quick. That power play unit on the Kings is terrifying, and I think that's what, they, what gave them the edge. Both Ooks programs turned their sights to next season, and while veterans Bree Martin and Dylan Stewart, among others, will be moving on, there is still lots to be optimistic about heading into the fall for Ooks fans. Ganim says with the ACAC Coach of the Year Brendan Jansen behind the bench and their star goaltender Slater back for another season, there's no reason to think the women can't duplicate their success from this year. Ganim adds that the men's program has made moves to keep them competitive moving forward. They did a good recruiting job this year. They picked up Trushko uh, of Saints defenseman Brophy Dunn. He's a, he's a strong defensive uh, player and uh, he's going to be good on that back end. The Ooks didn't end up winning the championships, but several players were the recipients of individual accolades. Haley Cruikshank and Shiana Harden were named to the ACAC All-Conference first team and Martin was named to the second team in addition to being an academic All-Canadian. On the men's side, Bjorn Robinson was selected as a second team All-Conference player and Stewart was an academic All-Canadian as well as a first team All-Conference player. Brandon Douglas, NR92 News. The Nadeuk's curling team is now all finished for the season, and our 92's Matthew Graham has more. With the CCA Curling Nationals all wrapped up and the athletes headed home, our Nadeuk's curling team wished they had a better showing going 2-5 and five and finishing 6th overall in the standings. Team skip Nick Oak had this to say about the weekend. It was good. It was a cool experience. It, uh, it feels pretty, it's pretty humbling to be there you know representing the school there are some positives as well with the ukes beating the fleming knights by a score of nine to four a great confidence builder for future appearances at the cca nationals the team also discovered the skill levels of teams across canada and how good of hands the sport is in as a whole uh just how big the game is across canada and how talented everybody is from the other provinces you know there's some really strong teams in ontario definitely showed us a thing or two for sure with this experience, there will be more national success for the Ukes in the future. New blood seems to be the biggest factor, according to Nick. Got some, some new people coming next year that can add to the strength of our team, and we can definitely uh, have a better showing next year. All in, our team's had a great time, and look forward to what's next for Nate Curley. Matthew Graham, NR92 News. It has been two weeks since daylight savings time took effect, and some students are still feeling the repercussions of moving the clocks back. Presley Cuthbertson has more. 
Back in 1901, Canada introduced daylight savings to the country. Today, this is still a practice we endure. Although the controversy between whether or not this stays is heavily talked about, I spoke with some Nate students about how this is affecting them weeks later. For me personally, I ended up losing an hour of sleep and had to work at 7 a.m. So having to balance school and work and having daylight savings kind of ruined that for me wasn't the best. I found that I was losing sleep with the clocks going that way. I found that in the other time of the year, however, it's a big benefit. I have an extra hour in the day. Daylight savings did affect me. Um, lost hours sleep and I could really feel it probably during the week after and also the way the lighting was outside uh, was also messing with my brain as well. Not only are students losing sleep and struggling to get back on track, but they are also questioning why we still participate in turning the clocks back when so many are against it. Frankly, I think the daylight savings time is really dumb. I don't think we should have it. I think it's okay if the sun is in a slightly different position at this time of day in this season versus that season. Doesn't matter. We should get rid of it. I currently do not agree with daylight savings and I think it should go away. Doctors don't believe daylight savings is beneficial to our body's health. Studies have shown that daylight savings leads to more heart problems due to the inconsistent sleep schedule this causes. Countries around the world are starting to debate whether or not this is even worth having anymore. Arizona is just one place that does not partake in changing the clocks and hasn't since 1973. No matter where you stand on this subject, it is still something Canadians have to deal with until November when we gain the hour back. Presley Cuthbertson, NR92 News. With reading break happening this past February and Easter break coming up in April, it's giving students a lot of days off. But what type of impact does that have? NR92's Caitlin Pobersnick has more. It's easy to get overwhelmed late in the semester, especially when big assignments are due. Liz Salcedo, a Nate student in the respiratory therapy program, says, I definitely do appreciate the days off with such a high-intensity program. The mental break that comes with these days off is nice for Salcedo, but that's not the main reason she appreciates them. It's really easy to fall behind if you miss even a day of doing homework or re-watching a lecture or doing whatever you need to do. So having days off where I know that I can do what I need to do to get caught up as opposed to going to a full day of classes and then feeling like too exhausted to rewatch a lecture or do an assignment or even just study. I think having days off where you can just get caught up is super beneficial. And although Salcedo enjoys any days off that Nate can provide throughout the term, there is always a preference as to what that break looks like. I personally would prefer one long break as opposed to multiple short breaks, even though the short breaks are beneficial. For me, I think that one long break is more beneficial mentally more than anything. Being able to take that time for yourself away from school and away from anything else that's keeping you busy or occupied in your day-to-day -day life, I think that one long break would be a bit of a mental rest and it still allows you to get caught up on school or just to take the time that you need to let yourself settle. Nate's Easter break is from April 7th to the 10th. Caitlin Pobersnick, NR92 News. With fall semester classes coming to an end, the students aren't the only ones looking to graduate on to new heights. NR92's Shadow Vanderswag speaks to Stuart Saraduke about his upcoming retirement. Class is almost over for more than just the students. 
Stuart Serduk, production instructor at Nate, is set to retire at the end of the fall term. I spoke with him as he reflects on the many changes over his 24 years as an instructor in the radio and television program. It was quite amazing, like the, you know, the 2000s, you know, the aughts to the 2010, like huge changes here. You know, kudos to Nate for, you know, ponying up some cash for us to make the change and not only keep up with industry at that time, but sometimes we actually led a little bit. You know, we were a little ahead of the curve, which is great. Technology hasn't been the only drastic change at his time at Nate. Stewart has had to make many adjustments throughout the years as the student body cycles each semester. I always wanted to teach and it was like great fun. I remember when we first got computers in our big classroom and we're like, oh my God, students are going to be on the internet all day and they won't be engaged. And now that's the least of our worries. Some of them are just, you know, they, they are glued to the phone and they're not engaged and then they wonder why they're not being successful. It's interesting in that, in that dynamic and that time that they're, of their life that they're changing. You know, from high school kid to young adult. With each new generation of students, new challenges present themselves. But Mr. Saraduke is always ready to teach. The students are really lacking lately. Not not all of them, but you know, more than there were 20 years ago. Like you know, social skills. The the concept of like picking up the phone to phone somebody for an interview. That's way out of their comfort zone. You know, we actually have to have a lesson on how to make a phone call to phone someone. It's like. 20 years ago, that was unheard of. There has been many changes since 1999. However, Stewart has no concern over handing over the reins to the future generation of content creators. Uh, I think actually the transition should be fairly smooth because we've we've made the big transition in the program, and we've always we've tried very hard here to kind of keep ahead of the curve. And you know, the course the program is called Radio Television. The name needs to be changed. The name's going to be changed because it's not radio and television anymore. It's content creation. When I started here, 80% of the students when they graduated they went to a traditional broadcaster, and 20% went to work for a production company, and and that's flipped. So 80% of our students go into communications and marketing mm -hmm. and you know social media marketing and maybe 20% go into traditional broadcasting. Even though Stewart has experienced many career highlights, he still regards his students' careers as his top accomplishment. Probably the overall career highlight is just seeing somebody come in and they might be right out of high school or a year or two out of high school. They come here, they learn the skills, they leave here, they apply what they learned and they have great attitudes and they're passionate and they become successful. And then I see that, okay, that's cool. Although Stewart is officially retiring, he plans to keep busy in the industry for years to come. I see grads, I work with grads every time I work a hockey game, mm -hmm. work a live event. I'm working alongside my former students, which is awesome. I'm retiring from Nate, but I'm not retiring from work. Stewart has been a part of many successful graduates' lives. He still managed to connect with his final graduating class of 2023. What would my final words to the graduating class of 2023 be? Uh, love you guys. Miss you guys. Stuart Saraduk, you will be missed, but we can't wait to work alongside a veteran in the field. Shadow Vanderswag, NR92 News. That's it for our final show of the semester. Thanks for joining us today. This is Veld with Josh. Thanks for listening to The Feed. Hear it again on NR92 Sunday night at 7.30 or find it on NR92 SoundCloud. <laughs>